like I said, it was funny like that in the hood sometimes. I mean, you never knew what was going to happen or when. I had done too much to turn back, and I'd done too much to go on. I guess in the end, it all catches up with you. My grandpa asked me one time if I care whether I live or die. Yeah, I do. Now it's too late. Hi, I'm Rudy Crown, and this is a critique. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the Hughes Brothers film, Menace to Society, released in 1983. And today I'm going to be talking to the writer of that video that I put for uh, on the YouTube, Anthony. And uh, thanks for coming on and talking to me about this film that is really uh, close and dear to my heart. Oh, yeah, for sure, bro. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, it's cool because we like we both worked on this. Um, I felt like this video um, needed to be a little deeper than kind of just a uh, superficial review on it. And I think that we like touched on some really, really good points and stuff that I definitely want to get into deeper kind of conversation. And so we'll definitely do that. But at the top, um, I just pretty much want to get some kind of a details on the film the it was uh uh the budget for this film was 3.5 million um it grossed 30 million so did pretty pretty well that's pretty good um yeah uh this is also the feature film debut of lorenz tate who played o-dog in this in this movie oh damn i didn't know yeah and um and the reason why i talk about it as well is because uh criterion which if you know what that is is a company that kind of releases all these like kind of art house kind of films and stuff they started doing a 4 4k editions of films and in the first run their first series in what i think in january pretty much yeah or december um were released were citizen kane um i think uh, uh once upon a time in china um like a couple other movies and uh menace society which is really cool because this is held in the same esteem as a uh, citizen kane which release very cool, yeah. it's pretty cool i think yeah, so and this cool. is a, a really awesome film for me so I, I i bought it i was just like yeah i'm buying this shit like immediately um so real quick before we get into the actual film i'm just going to give you a kind of quick summary um so after growing up in the gang lifestyle in los angeles uh 18 year old kane lawson played by tyron turner wants to wants a way out of the hood um everyone around him including his unpredictable friend o-dog played by lorenz tate is trapped in the lives of crime and violence, but with the help of his caring teacher and his grandparents and his supportive girlfriend played by Jada Pinkett Smith, Kane plans to leave the city for good. But in a series of tragic events that start at the very beginning of the film, uh, Kane realizes that the escape will not be easy. And the one of the last actual quotes, or last line of the film is, uh, as, as Kane, uh, spoiler, as Kane is dying, uh, he says, uh, my grandpa asked me one time if I care whether I live or die. Yeah, I do. But now it's too late. And that's how the film fades, fades, like, fades to black. Yeah. Um, so uh, before we get into like the actual film, um, what is it? Do you remember the first time that you saw it? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I was pretty young. It was probably around you know, 93, between 93 and 95. I may not have seen it in theaters, you know, right. when it first came out. We mm-hmm. we weren't uh, a movie-going family, but 
whenever it came out on VHS, because we definitely had the VHS, um, we watched it in my household quite a bit, actually. Mm. Yeah. How about you? And what do you what do you re- what do you remember of that like first like viewing? The first viewing of it, I remember feeling. The first, I remember covering my eyes the first time Kane went out to actually go hit a lick, um, mm. and that's a scene where Kane goes to. I think he goes to avenge his cousin. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know they they catch the guys up at the little the little fast food joint or whatever yeah. they're hanging outside. Mm-hmm. That scene I remember that scene being very heavy uh, yeah. for me and like closing my eyes and being like oh I don't want to see Kane be the bad guy you know right like I was rooting for Kane yeah 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 I, I uh the first time I saw it was probably around the same time like probably like ninety four ninety five because I saw it when I moved to Florida which was around that time I moved right after hurricane andrew hit like a week after it hit mm. so i remember coming here and this was like a piece of shit and i was like why the fuck did we move here everything's like <laughs> fucked up and but i'm also coming from los angeles so i have a very very kind of like interesting kind of like view and perspective of like moving from a big city to the suburbs mm-hmm. um because even though i was still young i saw a lot of my cousins and a lot of things around me that were very very much that like stereotype like la uh yeah. hood shit which is like awful to see at such a young age so uh, i saw this movie um was right when i got here and it kind of was like that like home kind of thing but also like i remember viv- really vividly thinking like damn movies don't end happy like they can mm. do that they can movies can end awful yeah. And I never um that this was the first movie that I experienced that with where I was just like, oh man, like like the ending is 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 heartbreaking. This sucks. And yeah. That's so that was like my first crazy. Yeah, that was my first kind of like um memory of the movie, like specifically. Was that you know, I think it's it's interesting that <clears throat> you say like you were coming from LA <clears throat> where this mm-hmm. movie takes place, and then right. you moved to Florida, which you know, and you said from LA to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because I had the opposite introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some things went down in my family and we ended up in a not so great position at this time. And we were actually living in the hood. And I remember um, back to your point, uh, I think a better answer is that I remember after seeing this movie feeling like I know that where I live is the hood but that movie and where I lived, they were so far disconnected. I was, it, it, mm. it, it didn't feel like I lived in the hood. That movie gave me perspective on like, oh, it's not that bad where, I'm, where we're at yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, mine was the opposite. Mine was just like, damn, like I, at a really, really young age, I had a very clear idea that there's some social thing happening that I don't understand clearly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like people like live one way in one in other places in one way in another and i I was just like oh because where i came from like there was incidents in like my life even at that really early age there was incidents of people getting shot that i saw that like or was around um there was this one really crazy story about like um a couple cousins of mine and my aunt where their car got shot up uh like outside of my home and then they all ran in like bleeding all over the place and like mm. and that shit is fucking wild man like that's a wild yeah. uh existence yeah. because then all of a sudden you come to the suburbs and then 
None of, I mean, there's not nothing. There's no helicopters in the air. No. There's no guns going off at night. It's there's quiet. It's weird, and it's, it's like, and it's yeah. hard. Yeah, it's hard to kind of um, place that experience with other people because it's such a, it's such a wild kind of experience to be like, yeah, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, and not, I don't think many people know what that feels like. Like that's such a weird kind of to uniquely. Live it. Yeah, yeah, to live, to it, live yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And this sure. movie brought a lot of that home, even though obviously it's not like um, Latino centric, but it's still poverty driven, right? Like what the hood represents and all that kind of stuff. That's very universal when it comes to like minorities in this country. So, so this film definitely embodies that spirit as well. And the LA thing, which is um, if you're from there, you get it. You know what you I mean? Yeah. So, um, but so I think one of the, um, I want to touch on something that I we wrote about, which is the hood allegory. But I think that I'll save that um, towards the end. So I kind of want to go through the film a little bit, talk about some of the kind of key points, and then get into that. Um, so one of the things that we wrote and we talked about was um, the opening scene mm-hmm. and how the movie starts off like from zero to a hundred, like right away. Like yeah. you're just you you know exactly the characters in the world that you're in and you're like, Oh man, like this is, this is like it like literally it went zero to a hundred, like so quick. So the opening scene is for me, super, it's obviously memorable in terms of like, even how it was represented. And, um, there's a really funny, uh, movie called, uh, don't be a menace to South central while drinking your juice in the hood, the made by the Waynes, mm. um, especially, uh, um, uh, uh, not Keenan. Um, fucking. Uh, oh my God, Marlin. The patriot. No, the patriarch of the, of the. Well, Marlin was in it, but mm-hmm. uh, their brother. Oh my God, I forget Damon. their brother. He. Damon. No, not Damon. It He's the Damon one, one who started in Living Color. Oh, that's um, right. Oh my God, I can't remember now. But anyway, um, I should really look this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But um, so it was started by Keenan. Yeah. Yeah, Ke- I was right. I was right. It oh, was Keenan. Keenan Ivory Wayans. See, you, you said Keenan, and my brain went to Keenan Thompson. Not Keenan. <laughs> right, me too. Me too. Yeah. I was like, wait, <laughs> no, wait what? No, that's not, right. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting it all mixed up. No, but yeah. So, um, so that's a very like really famous opening scene, and so a lot of the stuff that we tie into or we tied into the script and and especially what you tied into was that at the time when this was released, and this was pre. The Rodney King, the the L.A. riots, which was um, the fuse was the Rodney King trial. Um, So at this point, there was a lot of lot of lot of uh, conflict between the Latin, not the Latin communities, the communities in Los Angeles were the Korean communities, Latin communities, the black communities. And all this was coming to a boil. And it was just kind of like for me, it's the whole crabs in a barrel situation, you know. And there was really famous, uh, famously footage of Korean store owners on top of their buildings defending yeah, their, their places from gang, and, yeah. yeah, from being uh, from being uh, uh, raided and um, and broken into. So in the opening scene, we have these two Korean owners who are very dis dis uh, distrusting of the two main characters, is Kane and O Dog. They're coming in to just buy liquor. And trying to peace out, they're not. Their motives aren't anything but to get in and out. Yeah. And it turns out that well, Odak has the shortest fuse ever. 
yeah. and being insulted, being having his mother insulted, uh, leads to the store owner getting killed, yeah. and also the 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 woman as well. So the movie starts off to such a high tense degree that, at least for me, and you and you talked about it that why why start off a movie that way? And what does that represent in terms of the stereotypes and how damaging it is? Because that's something really important too. Like the overall theme was, is a movie like this harmful or still, um, or important, right? And that scene kind of embodies a little bit of everything. So yeah. I guess my question is, when you watch it now, mm-hmm. how does it feel that it, it was represented that way? It was shot that way? And then the end result, and how does that feel in terms of like the characters and their predict their circumstances, and having them create because the racism that that if you're a minority you feel going to stores mm-hmm. is very real, getting followed, yes. yes, all that kind of stuff, right? Yes. But the level that O Dog took it to is also an extreme level, of right? Course. Yes. So yes. in terms of like. I understand why the filmmaker did it because we want to understand how O Dog is, is he's literally a socio, a serial. He's not a serial killer. He's a sociopath. He's a psychopath, not a sociopath, mm. a psychopath. And also, this thread is is all through the movie. I mean, it's technically at the very end of the film that because of what happened in the very beginning catches up to them yes. as well. So no matter no matter what was happening in the film, something was gonna get catch them like it was either going to be the stuff that they do the people who they associate with the girl that he got pregnant all that kind of stuff was Mm. one thing or another was gonna fuck him up right yeah so i guess what i'm trying to say without saying so much over here is that in that scene what is it that what is your immediate reaction how you feel about that scene and what is it actually trying to say to you you think and what is harmful about it if anything is uh, if anything is harmful i mean I think that I think that you you kind of touched on it already by saying like the crab in a bucket mentality, right? You put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, and as crab as as one tr- crab tries to climb its way out, the other crabs pull it back down, trying to climb themselves out as well, and that benefits nobody. Everybody, you just end up with a bunch of crabs at the bottom of a bucket. Um, I definitely watching it recently. Mm. I felt like that scene was, it was kind of twofold. I felt like that scene was definitely placed at the beginning in order to show what the world around them that they inhabited looked like. Because once we follow them back to their specific hood, we don't really get a chance to see what other socioeconomic um, situations other people of color may be in. Mm. And I think it was just a very... Back then, I don't think it would have. I don't think. I think it's one of those things that evolved over time. Basically, I think mm-hmm. right now it's very, very relevant because you know you have the stop Asian hate, that that movement that's happening because of, you know, black people in those communities taking aggression out on them. Mm-hmm. So I think that the meaning at the time was to show what that world looked like. But I think that message has evolved. So I think in a sense, is it harmful? Uh, Yeah, it's harmful in the way that it portrays 
young black men, but I think that's on purpose. I think that's they did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's very it's something very tongue in cheek about how the perception of these Asian American store owners led to their immediate demise. I think that's a very poignant message that was that was being put put in there. But I think it also I think it evolved into something that's um probably also still a little harmful, but at the very least, I think it does harken back to that against the stop Asian hate movement. Like if somebody in 1993 was willing to put this in a movie and depict it as this is what the hood is, then there's some credibility to that statement, stop Asian hate. So I think it's evolved into something that's a learning moment, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I I think we'll touch on that a lot um, in our conversation with like, you know, one of the one of the questions I guess posed when we when when you're writing the script was, um, is this you know is this film, is this film doing harm, or mm-hmm. doing good, or where mm-hmm. does it, where does it stand right? Um, so I know we talked about so this so the the murder of the, the store owners, um, Odog gets the tape, and mm-hmm. then he starts showing it to people. Mm-hmm. So he wants to brag about how how what the the, the crime that he committed, and so this this uh this thread, this plot thread is throughout it goes throughout the whole movie because throughout the whole movie this fucker keeps showing the film, yeah. Kane keeps being keeps keeps getting upset was like what the fuck are you doing you're gonna get us caught, all that kind of stuff. But I there was this really interesting thing too that um looking back at the film or when I first saw it, so when his cousin dies. Which is also in the very beginning of the film. Yeah. Um, it goes. It goes after after the opening scene goes into kind of Kane explaining kind of how his upbringing was and his dad's played by Samuel L. Jackson. Um, his dad was a uh, uh, seemed like he was a drug dealer um, yeah. and just not a good guy. Just wild. And yeah, just very, a wild very, dude. very, very um, reminiscent of Old Dog more so than than Kane in the movie. Actually, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's really interesting. Yeah, and and uh, and then it goes into kind of him um, living is like what his life is like at eighteen, graduating high school, going to a house party, um, and we get to we get introduced to all his friends. Um, we get introduced to Sharif. We get introduced to O-Dog again, to AWAX, which is uh, played by MC8. Um, and then Ronnie, which is like an ex, I guess, football player. Um, and so we get to meet his friends in this kind of really fun environment. They're all just drinking, having fun at this house party. And there's that's just kind of what it is. They're playing dice, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And and um, they're his uh, Kane's cousin is along um, with them and they're leaving at the end. Um, I think to go, go get food or something. Yeah. And they're at a at red light while the other group of friends are at, at the gas station. So his, they, they get jacked um, for the car because he has a really nice car. Uh, and his cousin gets, gets killed. And it's super brutal, such yeah. a brutal scene. Yeah. And Kane almost dies from just fucking living, being just there, just yeah. by being around. Like he just wasn't doing there. anything, yep. just being there. Yep. So that leads into revenge. Mm-hmm. Now, it's funny because I thought that that plot was gonna be, uh, it was gonna catch up to him at yeah. the end, but it doesn't. It literally ends, um. 
with him getting revenge, like you mentioned at the at the fast food stand, mm-hmm. they go pop they go pop him, and that's brutal as well too. Yeah, and that's it. That's how that's how life that situation is resolved. Yeah, it just keeps that, moving, you know. Yeah, and they get deeper that's, and deeper into it. I think that's sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. Yeah, but I I, I really think I I like. I like the arc that Kane goes on because Kane's arc isn't a traditional up and then down kind of arc. Mm-hmm. His arc is inverted. He starts off here as a respectable kid who just happened to be along f- with his friend when his friend goes cr- like wild and kills two people. And from that moment on, Kane starts to slide deeper and deeper into that life until it mm-hmm. literally costs him his life. There is no redemption arc for Kane. Kane's redemption arc comes at the very, very end where he wants to leave finally, but it's too late. He's already done so much dirt where he lives that he can't, he physically can't escape it. It, right, it comes right, right. looking for him before he gets a chance to make right. amends and move on. Right. Right. So, th- so that scene for me, when he gets revenge on it for his cousin, what that represents to me is it's, it's, it's the crossing over of yes. It's the crossing over. It's the crossing the threshold. It's yes. like okay, now this is what I'm. Because when you do, because he was in the car, they were both. Well, at least him was talking about how, uh, how he was he was the way he was talking was really ill prepared, really really green, mm-hmm. and he mentions like I, I'm not gonna kill any kids. There's any kids out there? I'm not like and yeah. and then a wax, which is a uh, seasoned. Uh, gangster was just like telling both of them to shut up, and it's just like you guys are gonna go in there, peel their heads back, and that's it. Like where there's no whatever, what yeah, yeah. I don't care who's out there. Yeah, and it's it's wild because like, um, when when that happens and they get they get the revenge and stuff like that, Kane is there's no fulfilling anything. I remember mm-hmm. there's a scene where he's in bed after the fact and he's like, I don't. I don't feel good about. I don't feel anything. I don't feel you know anything. much less good or bad. Yeah. I just don't feel anything. It was fine. It was just yeah. another day. Yeah, yeah. And um, so the gang life that this movie represents, I think it's really insane. Not insane. It's really difficult for people to understand the insanity of living that way, um, mm-hmm. without having, without either number one being in it, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So for me. Um, I wasn't directly in like what gang life is, but I lived in these really, really rough neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and I had family members who were part of this kind of stuff. And it's not, it really is as unglamorous as the film portrays. It's not, it's not this really cool thing where it's not romanticized or, you know, like kind of old mafia movies or anything like the kind of kind of Godfather a little bit, those kinds of movies that kind of portray this gang, the gang life as being this very glamorous kind of thing, which is really cool because then movie like TV shows like the Sopranos and all these kinds of scenes, like really kind of really um, grounded that grounded, that kind of reality. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, Oh man, this is like, this is terrible. It, it there's no escape. There's you. You it, it kills you. It like mm-hmm. it ruins everything around you. Yeah. Everyone in the film had something that affected them, at some point, right? Like, 
um, Jada Pinkett Smith's baby's father, which is Kane's like kind of older, like surrogate kind of father his mentor, figure. Yeah. His mentor was in jail. Yeah. Um, also, Kane's parents, uh, old dogs, like how he was raised and his personality is also a, a direct result of his of his environment, all that kind of stuff. I, w- I wanted yeah. to ask you something. Um, what do you think if you had to put your your analysis glasses on? What do you think is the message being sent where everyone in the movie who could have done better uh, in terms of the friends, I guess, uh, died, right? Kane dies, Sharif dies, but Old Dog, Old Dog, the one one guy in this film who was (laughs) gonna, he, yeah, like he was about that life through and through from from beginning to end. He lives. What, What do you think that message is? I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's for me it's it's used for dramatic effect i think that just for dramatic reasons um the drama of life is always the innocent is what hurts the most Mm. right the innocent who die are it's the most those are the most painful ones if the other dog dies he had it coming yeah he had it coming he had it coming he lived that life yeah yeah, but the guy trying to get out and the guy who was never in right they die they're the ones that suffer the consequences of yeah. like the world that they inhabit right because a lot of what i i what a lot of what i feel is like this the hood and the gang life and this hood allegory which i think we can go into now is that represent is that feeling of uh hopelessness of being stuck in a place where um there is no upward mobility um yeah. because of the, the way things are structured and the way yeah. that society deems it so or at least our the Amer- our american societal structure deems it so yeah. and it's not impossible but it's really hard because i mean i just think i just take a look at like my life for example in terms of like um if i would have stayed back in los angeles i don't know what my life could have been like in terms of how my, how i would have been and then uh the things that are around me that would have that i would have paid the consequences for like as well because i had um i had schoolmates and stuff like that that were had issues and brothers that were in stuff and whatever really like wild stuff like one of the craziest things that i think i'll ever remember was being in uh in school and one of one of our little friends had one of my little friends had a brother who was in a gang and got jumped and was got got really messed up and hurt but in terms of his brother being targeted and 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 beat and all that kind of stuff he felt like he had to protect himself and he brought a pistol to school and i saw it and we're talking about children we're we're kids we're children here now like to to even say that and to think about it is the wildest thing that i could think about like i'm like totally like that happened like i saw that that happened and so like what would have what would my life would have been like well, really I like think, what would it have been you know i think that's that's and that's why i really like um that you you frame this thing as a hood allegory right mm-hmm. because i feel like this movie does take a, the hood and it frames it as a character and that character doesn't care about any of the other characters that operate within it Mm-hmm. right so you have it's like you said if you had stayed in the hood hood would have dictated at least to some degree 
what your future looks like. And I think that's what this movie does very well, is that this this movie puts the hood in line with a character, and that character, Kane, the, the hood kills Kane. The hood mm-hmm. kills Sharif. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the mm-hmm. bigger, you know. And the hood, yeah. the hood spared O-Dog. Yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Old dog, yeah. if it, it really old dog had what it takes to be respected by the hood, in the hood. Old dog doesn't die there. Right. right. I think so so in terms of that then, I think we can get to kind of uh the the kind of the catalyst that ends up kind of killing Kane. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, can explain kind of what a, what a hood allegory is. So, um, well, right why, don't you, after... why don't you go and explain what a hood gal- allegory is first, so, so that it, there's context when you right, talk right. About so, Kane. so a hood allegory is a story, poem, or picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning, either moral, political, or both, but does so from a uniquely community centric perspective. So, pretty much an allegory, but we're repurposing it for for the hood which i think is like what this movie really is right it's always it's like yeah. it's like look look what the hood is like to for some mm-hmm. for most mm-hmm. um dramatic look obviously what the hood is doing to everyone right. involved the right. hood is doing right. to um the asian american uh business owners look what the hood is doing to the two young black men look what the hood is doing to the hispanic community it's it's the the hood is a mm-hmm. main driving factor in this story yeah no there was um 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 talking about that um and we'll kind of get into kind of almost the end of the film in terms of like the beats but there's that really interesting scene where they get beat up by the police which is a you know a a, a cliche in terms of these kinds of films are always is this interaction with the police Mm -hmm. um that never ends well um but they get dropped off in the wrong hood um and but the latinos uh, in the community, take them to the hospital, so they don't uh, they don't delve into the stereotype of what you know. Sometimes LA um, living is like because it's so segregated, where you're not you know. There's certain yes. communities you just don't shouldn't be if you're not yeah. supposed to be there, right? Yeah. So um, I talked about that in the video, but the directors uh, in the director commentary talked about that specifically that it it was just kind of insult to injury and they don't want to keep playing with this whole kind of like like what we're talking about like the hood is the hood is bad for everyone it's not we're not trying to like show like oh let's pin um let's pin this against one one against the other knowing that that is kind of how the world works sometimes but th- this would be too much um in terms of like the film process right like what would that really do for the film yeah right it would just be um like insult yeah putting like salt on the one kind of in terms of storytelling so um i thought it was like a super interesting twist and i remember watching that for the first time and thinking like oh man like because innately you know that this something bad's going to happen that's a good they're not this is not what they're supposed to be you know Yeah. yeah um i think that you know i think that scene too i think that scene is kind of um it's kind of pivotal in that it introduces um, the top of the the hierarchy, right? As the police, the boys in blue, a uh, couple of white guys coming into the hood and causing more problems than actually helping, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to pit one hood against another hood. 
I think it does very right, well right, to right. draw that out, right? And it's kind of almost sure. this unity in the face of adversity that comes right, out of it. Right. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, they were pulled over for nothing. Mm. And then they were beat up for talking back. Mm-hmm. And then they were dumped and hoping that something else bad would happen to them, which yeah. kind of leads. These are the kind of conflicts that happen in 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 the hood and all these kinds of communities where let's say let's say Kane and some or let's say Sharif got killed or something when they got dropped at the at the Latino thing mm-hmm. uh, in the Latino hood. Right. So then yeah. what what does Kane and them have to do? They have to go back. Exactly. And, and get revenge. You know what exactly. I mean? So it's just a These police officers are literally trying to perpetuate violence but keep their hands clean. Right. You know, they're dirty right. cops being uh, yeah, I thought it and it you know, in casting that, you gotta you gotta you gotta kind of feel like that was a conscious decision, right? In casting those police yeah, officers, sure. you could have cast a Hispanic police officer, you could have cast a black police officer, you could have you know, you could have cast anybody. But mm-hmm. they went with white police officers being corrupt and literally trying to turn or perpetuate more hood violence. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and um, so a, a, another part of the, the, this hood allegory, what kind of ends up happening is that um, pretty much when uh, Kane and Oda get caught for trying to boost cars, mm-hmm. um, uh, there's fingerprints found on the, on the glass bottle that was dropped in the beginning, in the opening scene. So the cops are hip to that. There's something else going on. Um, but O-Dog is 17, so he can't get tried with anything. He's a minor still. So Kane gets kind of uh, some a little bit of jail time, but they can't pin anything on him. And then this kind of – this is the ball already rolling after him getting revenge for his cousins. Um, and then him start hi- – he starts hijacking people and kind of jacking people up too. Mm-hmm. And so one of the, the main catalysts uh, that ends up happening is that he ends up – falling in love with Jada Pinkett's character, Jada Pinkett Smith's character, um, but also fucking around with other girls at the same time. It ends up getting uh, one of them pregnant and he doesn't want anything to do with that situation because he has other plans and he's, and then he's starting to realize that he's going to get the fuck out of here and he, he could care less. He could care less of what his responsibilities are supposed to be or whatever. So the character's name is Elena. And Elena has a cousin who comes and confronts Kane about uh, how he's dogging her. And they get into a brutal... Well, and there's no fight because uh, uh, Kane, Kane whoops his, his ass. ass. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> well his his, the cousin comes, comes back at the end of the film to enact his revenge on mm-hmm. Kane. And that's yeah. how the movie ends. So, one of the um, one of the for me, like I said at the top of the podcast, is that his death for me was very um, eye opening in terms of storytelling and filmmaking. That the good guy, well, the quote unquote protagonist, really, the protagonist, uh, uh, is doesn't make it. He doesn't make it to the end of the movie. There is no happy ending for him. Yeah. And that really affected me because I didn't know you could do that, right? I didn't mm-hmm. know that that was a thing that you could do. So for you as a writer as well, do you think that the story could have worked with him not dying? Like what would that film feel like if he didn't die at the end of the film? If Kane didn't die at the end of the film, it could easily fall into the 
territory of glorifying the life that Cain lived and and seeing mm. it as something that could be profitable. Because let's be real, as much dirt as Cain did, by the time he dies, his his social uh, his economic status is has flipped. He starts the mm. movie off being some poor kid who lives with his grandmother and his or his grandparents. And by the end of the movie, he's robbed and stolen his way to having a little nest egg, gold chains, gold rims, a nice car, you know? So if King does not die at the end of the movie, we're back into the territory of glorifying this gang violence. And then we're back into the territory of, yes, this is harmful to the people that it's trying to re-enfranchise, right? I think King and Sharif, I think there's a big, there's there's a big nod to Sharif having dying i think that's Mm -hmm. a a really big nod to not only does this life consume those involved in it but it consumes everyone around you just for being involved in it you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like you talked about Mm -hmm. how you were um you knew some kid in school whose brother got jacked and this kid is in elementary school and so he had a pistol because his brother got this kid's not in the life and i think Mm -hmm. that's the story that that's that's Sharif's death does a lot to to shine mm-hmm. a light on that is that this isn't mm-hmm. just harmful for you you're not just making a decision for you to live this life but for everyone that's around you will have to suffer the consequences should things go bad for you do you do you when so there's a um a little religious theme uh, going in terms of Sharif being muslim mm-hmm. um and that's always been a, a kind of notorious um avenue for the black community to kind of uh, come out of what is deemed the black experience, but to have something that's your own uh, uh, spirituality that's innately black in this country, and mm-hmm. a lot of Muslim identity is tied into that. With you know, um, you you know, we could go way back into the '60s and and talk about kind of that those kinds of things. But um, uh, the movie plays a little bit with with. I wish they dove into it a little bit more, but I understood what they were trying to get at because I know that Sharif is coming in with this angle. He's very this woke kind of uh, character trying to impart. Like I used to be a knucklehead too, but like I'm reformed now, and I'm like you know. Um, but that didn't save him either, mm-hmm, you know. Exactly. But but then Kane's family is also really really Christian. Yes. And there was this really kind of pointed kind of like a uh, moment where Cain doesn't understand why they're praying to a white Jesus mm-hmm. um, and stuff. So it's, it's funny. It, they don't, nothing else really happens from his kind of uh, um, questioning of like uh, religion in the black community. I think it would be too heavy and maybe wouldn't fit um, with the themes of the film. But I think that's for me, at least, a very important thing too, because um, I've always felt that, um, in especially in the minor- in communities, uh, minority communities, especially in the Latin community specifically, mm-hmm. we tie uh, we tie into religion so much to answer for the misfortunes and the situations that we're in, mm-hmm. and it's like a weird band aid to put over. Um, the real issues that go on that religion can't fix just because you have faith. And it's just like faith isn't enough to get you out of the hood. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? Of course. of course. Yeah. And so, but the movie doesn't do that, but I, you know, it is, it was interesting that there are hints. There is hints that if you really do look into 
um, what that actually means and why he would say something like that. You know, why are why are we why am I, you know, waking up and there's like a white Jesus on my wall and why are my grandparents Christian? They don't understand how I'm living like they don't get it. You know, yeah, that, you know, and it's interesting. That's an interesting point you brought up because you're right. Um, that is that is uh, it's a fact of living in in those kinds of um, socioeconomic areas where a white Jesus is part of the aesthetic of your home as a black kid mm-hmm. growing up, you know, as part of a black family. And I think it's interesting because Sharif, who's also named Sharif, was clearly a nod to his his Muslim faith even before we knew he was a Muslim. Mm-hmm. He dies at the end. And I think it's I think it's an interesting commentary on how militant black men we don't have that kind of leadership in our in our communities anymore we mm-hmm. don't they they whether it's because they die by being too close to the life or whatever the case may be but that ideal in the hood has died mm-hmm. you know we don't have marcus garvey's coming out of hoods anymore we don't have malcolm x's coming out of hoods anymore we don't have martin luther king's coming out of hoods anymore and i think it's very interesting that the one non praying to a white Jesus. Now, Cain mm-hmm. says he doesn't understand why they don't pray to a white Jesus, but when Sharif talks to them about being Muslim, that's a whole other thing for them. That they they at least they get a white Jesus. They don't understand <laughs> what the fuck Cain is talking. I mean, what, what yeah, the fuck they, Sharif they get is talking annoyed. about. They get They're annoyed. They get annoyed by him. Annoyed. They're like, what the fuck? Why are you always coming up here with this, you know, do better brother type shit? Like, and so I think it's very interesting that that came, you could that's a that's a conscious decision on the filmmaker's part that Sharif died because Old Dog could have died, the kid could have died, yeah, Jada Pinkett right. Smith could have died, but no, they killed the one brother in the hood that was actually trying to fix and turn things around mm-hmm. to for the people he cared about. So so I think at this point I think what is the hood allegory? saying in this film what is the hood allegory here or is it the hood allegory in general the actual word of that like is that is that what this is 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 a hood allegory it's it's talking about the moral things that are happening in this film obviously the the sinfulness the 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 killing the jacking the the all this kind of stuff the political the political stuff stuff that's going on too yeah, yeah 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 so this is a hood allegory 100% 100% I believe it's a hood allegory and I and I think it goes back to what we were talking about the, at the top of the podcast is that the hood is a character and this hood it it goes and it presses from all sides mm-hmm. and it pushes it pushes Kane from being a uh, a high school student who didn't want to be in this life to finding his himself in the life and then ultimately having the hood be judge jury and executioner so i yeah. definitely think that this is a hood allegory in that sense and that mm-hmm. the, that the hood is very much character it's very much alive and it's very much dictating and speaking to us watchers and giving us imparting its message which is this isn't the life to be glorified it isn't a life that you mm-hmm. should feel would be beneficial to you in the long run because it ends in death Mm-hmm. Because think about it. At the end of that movie, we know Jada Pinkett Smith's character. We know she gets out. We know her kid gets out. But do you have high hopes for O-Dog? Or is O-Dog mm-hmm. going to die or end up in jail? 
Mm-hmm. You see yeah. what I'm saying? One or the other. Yeah. One or the other. And that's the hood allegory right there. As the hood allegory is weighing on your decision about what happens to old dog at the end of that. That's the hood allegory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I think that the, the ending of this film is what I think tie the, the ending is what ties everything together. I think that, uh, just, it doesn't glorify everything because you feel it. You're just like, oh man, it's like the worst. It's the worst way to end it. It's just yeah. like the protagonist dying that way. Yeah. But he he escaped death many times throughout the film. So Plenty he was. Times, the, yeah. It was knocking on the door. Like the whole death time. was knocking on the door was uh, the, whole the whole time. Um. So I think that um um the only other thing that I kind of a couple other things. So before we I get into kind of the negative reviews and positive reviews, I want to talk about some kind of cool little like Easter eggs that were um in the film so there's something that happened in the film that i didn't know until this last viewing was that elena um which is the character that got pregnant by by kane um in the script and in the story the directors uh the directors say that she actually wasn't pregnant and she was lying to get money out of kane oh yeah okay so that's something that didn't translate in the film but that's 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 the story yeah so they the reason it didn't translate is because um while she's talking on the phone she's really emotional and crying so yes. you don't believe that she's lying right exactly. but she is yeah. but, but she, she is lying is, wow. the directors let her let her act and they didn't stop her oh, so, so they kind of flubbed that kind yeah. of what they were intending to mm. be but i still i still think it works i still think it works yeah it um, works but, but it changes it changes the messaging and everything like that yeah you know? oh, for sure for it sure, definitely for changes sure. the messaging but i mean kane still i mean you know kane kane would be you know like dying still for like it's senseless same. it still yeah, would be senseless, sl- senseless right yeah. yeah yeah um there's uh there was no colors um were used in the film to highlight gang affiliation because that is a very real thing yes. and it was a conscious Decision. a conscious thing because they didn't want it to be about a gangster's specific like life it would just entail what the hood or what the gangster so exactly. very kind of universal experience as opposed to like oh this is a crip or a blood so there was a very intentional thing. There was no colors used on set um, for any of the characters or anything to to signify that they belong to a, a you know certain certain group. Um, the word "fuck" and its deri- derivatives are used three hundred and five times during the yeah. curse, course of the whole film. That makes sense. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, the crack scene, the cooking crack scene, is real. That was real crack being cooked and made. Whoa, so, shit. Uh, yeah, that was well, a very, very real, <laughs> very real scene. Oh, didn't you tell me? You told me. I think um, you might begin to this. Am I jumping? Are you about to get into it? Am I jumping? Don't no, tell me. Yeah, tell me. Okay, I think you told me that a lot of the actors that you brought into this were people. Excuse me. In the light. Yes. Right. Yes. So yes, there was yes, this, yeah. this authenticity that you felt coming through the screen. It's because these weren't actors. These were these were actually people that lived in the hood that they just yeah. brought in to do this job yeah to, so to besides besides the main cast mm-hmm. the only person that was that were kind of had add some authenticity was uh awax played right. by mca which is a, was a real is a real rapper um so he definitely wasn't a he wasn't an actor he was brought in so he definitely feels a little like rough but mm. on purpose everyone else was an actor um mm-hmm. and uh kane's cousin wasn't an actor he was a dude like as well he was Just like a, a street dude okay yeah did you and, okay go ahead i'm sorry yeah no no we were gonna ask well i was just gonna say to that point did yeah. you know that um 
<laughs> they wanted Tupac Shakur. Tupac. They wanted Tupac yeah, to I'll, play Sharif. Yeah, I was gonna. T- I was actually gonna tell you okay, that one. Next. Okay, yeah, okay, it's yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Cool, like egg, uh, Easter egg. But before that, before that part, after the crack scene, that was like a real, 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 <laughs> real crack crack scene. Um, there was also real mar- marijuana being smoked. Uh, on that's set, that's um, there's especially the scene where Awax Kid and O Dog are in the car going to go, uh, going to go hit a lick or whatever, and uh, MCA is actually smoking it, but Lawrence Tate and Kane, uh, Lawrence Tate uh, and o- and Kane uh, weren't actually smoking the oh, weed. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> that, th- that was an actual blunt. <laughs> yeah, because um, Awax is a real dude. <laughs> so he real, re- real weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yes. Um, so originally the rapper MC Ren was going to play Awax, but he later he turned down the role because he was uh, he joined the Nation of Islam, mm. and then he turned down the role. So, uh, um, rapper Spice One was originally supposed to play Kane. And Tupac Shakur was supposed to play Sharif. Uh, but uh, Tupac was fired by Alan Hughes saying that Shakur was cause, causing trouble. And Shakur was angry for not being told why Sharif would turn Muslim. So six months into the firing, Shakur assaulted the director, resulting in Shakur being felt guilty of assault and battery. Um, he didn't want to play the role anymore. Um, he said that he didn't want to play the role of Sharif and did not agree um for him to become a muslim and um he didn't understand how he could be a muslim but also be a gang banger banger mm-hmm. and shakur wanted to play o-dog and stuff like that and so that's a very infamous thing where uh, i've you've know that uh tupac assaulted the one of the hughes brothers yeah uh, like in real life jail for 15 days yeah <laughs> yeah so so um so this 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 film is definitely marred into like the reality of like uh, what they were trying to portray, uh, yes. even for good or for bad, right? Yeah. Like you know, like maybe they. It's kind of what the hood is, right? It sucks you in, even if you're not intentionally. Like you're exactly. you're out there trying to make a film. You don't know all the these people who are just in the life that have short fuse. You don't know. You don't yeah. know. So, for example, the production was shut down for two days when members of the Hacienda Village Bloods shot up the set uh, in Jordan Downs. Um, a place yeah. considered to be crypt territory, so that uh, that happened, which is not surprising. Yeah. Um, hood yeah. allegory, so, maybe. Hood allegory, yeah. Shit. So, um, in the the so, in terms of ratings in the reception, um, the tomato meter, uh, it's an eighty four certified fresh as an eighty four. Um, the audience score out of fifty thousand plus ratings is a ninety three percent. So this film is super super well received. Nice. Um, but that it's not for not for uh, nothing. There are some um couple negative reviews, and I'll just read a couple blurbs. Um, there's uh Stephen Holden from the New York Times. If Menace Society is terrific, uh, if it is terrific on ambience, it is considerably less successful in revealing character. Um, and we have another one, which is regrettably the Hughes brothers first feature is a compendium of cliches. This is a uh, Geoff Andrew from timeout. Those are some of the only really negative reviews. Um, for the most part, it got, it got really, really good reviews. So Roger Ebert of the Chicago sun times, anyone who views this film thoughtfully must ask why our society makes guns easier to obtain and to use than any other in the country, in the civilized world. And that is only the most obvious of the many questions the film inspires. Um. Uh, let's see. There's another one. Uh, Peter Rayner of the Los Angeles Times. This is a positive review. Um, 
The Hughes brothers are torn between the hopelessness of what they depict and a kind of haloed view of a better life. So I think for the most part, the movie did its job in terms of trying to trying to send out the message that they intended. And I don't think that they weren't unsuccessful in that. I think that many other films try to do this. Um, and then it feels very much forced and yeah. cliched yeah. because it's been done well already. So there's yes. no need for more. So like this is a good example. And then like what Boys in the Hood is another really famous yeah, one as well. You um, know, I think for me personally, as a viewer of films like this, that that uh, occupy this space that you could that you're calling the hood allegory, I feel like to have a good one one that is going to resonate with people and mm. <clears throat> um you know be received as done well without f- feeling forced i think in order to do that it has to be authentic and this film feels very authentic i mean it yes. really yes, does yes, yes. feel like yes. you're watching Kane, like Kane is not a character. Kane is a real person who someone decided to get a film, uh, a film camera and a film crew and almost document his life. It feels it's such a slow, steady burn and a slow, steady descent into what America has deemed the hood that by the time you come out of it, you feel afraid to ever step foot in a hood again. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I said. That's why I mentioned earlier. I think that there is some harm that's caused in some areas. I do think there are some Mm -hmm. harm. There is some harm that's caused. But I think the message is much more, more, uh, how do I put it? I think the message is much more, um, it's much bigger than that, right? So, Mm -hmm. because at the end, like you said, like like we've said multiple times already at the end king dies and it's, it's, it's a clear cautionary tale. It's very obvious Mm -hmm. that it's a cautionary tale. But yeah, when I walk when I walked away from that movie, and every time I walk away from that movie, I always I feel afraid to enter into into areas in which a cane or an old dog could exist. Mm-hmm. I think that that um, this is also this film is also like a, a direct kind of um, reaction to Boys in the Hood, which mm-hmm. is released in ninety one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would want to watch Boys in the Hood again to kind of get a better understanding. But from what I remember. Boys in the Hood had that more Hollywood polished yes. um, kind of um, what we consider the cliches now. That pretty much just was kind of the embodiment of that, um, yeah. which was a great movie. Not that that yeah, is not sure. it was a bad movie, but that's why Menace Society kind of stands out a little bit because it just feels so it, grittier. Like it's it feels, it's, it feels it's harder. Real. It's harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's harder. It you know what I mean? There is an authenticity yeah. that comes with. Uh, menace society that you don't get with a lot of films that try to occupy that space there is a yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean if they're willing to fucking uh to do a real crack uh cooking scene you see uh, <laughs> yeah that's like that's dedication in terms of like how authentic they want to make uh the life but i think that that's what i think that that's that's such a good thing that um that's such a good clear example in terms of like filmmaking or storytelling is that and I think there's a limit for sure because I don't think that everything needs to, you know, yeah, it's great to see someone like throw themselves 50 feet out of a building and land because uh, it looks so real. And there's a, a magic to that because what you're seeing on celluloid is like auth- it's authentic. Like you can't fake that. Yeah. So there is a appreciation for films like this that really, really travel in these spaces 
um, to show you the the authenticity of the story that they're trying to portray. It really isn't like, uh, look at these, like, it's not, you know, it's not trying to say, look at these guys and look how bad they are. And the message is don't do this and don't do that. Of course, like that, that's what you feel. But you also have empathy. You you yes. you understand almost like yes. why in the world that they co- coexist and stuff. So it isn't just a point wing, uh, finger wagging like the look look at this like look how bad yeah. this is. It's, this is just like the life that they that they lead and and um, here's just here's like a, a a POV of it a little bit. You yeah. know, it feels very much that way. There's a really good film too. I want to suggest for you and anyone listening. It's called Le Le Le, Le Hain. Uh It's a French film, and it's it follows a couple a couple characters that live in the hood in France, which is a very um, interesting also take because you think about Paris and all this kind of stuff. This very this this very kind of like uh, romantic quality of the city, like love and all this kind of stuff. But there's this really gritty, dark side of like anywhere in the world where the hood occupies a real space in all these places in the world. And this Renaissance society is our American version of that. So if you ever get a chance to watch the it's really, really good. Um, And it also kind of has the same ending. It also has the same kind of like the character, uh, you know, doesn't really like uh, make it out, you know? Um, But anyway, um, I think that's it for this uh, podcast. Um, thank you so much, dude, for coming on and talking about it. And thank you also for writing uh, the script. It was probably, I think, uh, personally, one of the better ones that we've done. Um, it's really amazing. So I'm glad that we got to talk about this uh, and talk about one of like my favorite films. So uh, without further ado, thank you for everyone who's uh, listened this far. And I'll uh, see you on the next one. Sure, man.